This is the After Hours Director Spotlight, presented by Amro Music. It's the podcast where we chat with music educators to celebrate the joy of teaching music and learn about strategies for success. In this episode, Nick Averwater talks with Valerie and Monty Hill. They're the band directors in Marion, Arkansas, a town of around 12,000 people in eastern Arkansas, just across the Mississippi River from Memphis. Hi, welcome to Amro Music's After Hours Director Spotlights. During these conversations, we have one-on-one impactful conversations with experienced music educators to hear about their lessons, their life, their stories, what brought them to where they are today, and what lessons we can learn about that journey along the way. And today I'm really excited, very privileged to sit down with two incredible band directors from Marion, Arkansas, Mr. Monty Hill and Miss Valerie Hill. Monty and Valerie, welcome uh, to After Hours, our director spotlights. How are you all today? Fine, thank you. Good. Hey, Nick. Thanks. We're thanks so for excited. It's so excited. So, so Valerie, you're the the band director there at Marion Junior High School. Monty, you're the director of bands uh, at Marion, and so we're going to have some really great conversations today, talking about uh, your experiences, the dynamics of of working with somebody who's also your spouse, your differences in teaching styles, and how you complement each other. Some some really great conversations. But before we do, Valerie, I'd love for our listeners to get to know you a little bit. Can you take us through your journey before you became a music educator? Take us through your musical journey. Well, um, growing up, my family, I, my dad had a very large family and music was always in our household. He played guitar, he sang, his siblings would come over. So I grew up hearing music pretty much every weekend or in, in the evenings, dad would sit with his guitar and sing. And so that was a, you know, a very big bonding um, situation that we had. And then when I got older, I have older siblings and my sister married a young man that was in the band, you know, at, and he played clarinet and talked me into doing that. And so when it was time to sign up for band, I went, I chose clarinet and then there I go. And so I, I loved it. It was I guess the most important thing that I was doing in school to me, I mean, it was just the best memories, the most fun, you know, and then I got offered a full ride scholarship to Henderson and I took that and I had a, back then it was different. I had a specialization in music and then I had middle school math and science also on my certificate. So I had lots and lots of hours of lots of different things because I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And then I had an older sister that was a teacher and I always admired, admired teachers, so that's why I went to, into teaching. And then years down the road, I guess I taught regulated, what, nine years? Dif- well, different Yeah, 88, 88 to 98. I, I taught that, and then we moved to Lake Hamilton and The fall of 98. 98, and then I got my certification while we were at Lake Hamilton. That's great. So, so it sounds like, I mean, you were passionate about music, but an educator first and, and kind of migrated into music. Monty, how, how about your history? Because I get the impression that it's the opposite side of Valerie's is that you knew from the very beginning, I'm going to have a baton in my hand when I become yeah, I, I really did. You know, I'm, I'm a third generation teacher. Uh, my grandmother was a leg- legendary um, chairman of the Um, English department at Warren High School, um, a position that she held for almost 40 years. 
And my mother um, was a high school choir director, church organist, piano teacher, you know, the whole bit. You know, I, I grew up with that life of little children coming in every day after school to take piano lessons. And, you know, they'd always come and sit in the living in, in the living room and talk to me before their lesson. So, you know, I had lots of lots of music interaction. My father, um, he had his own business. Um, we had um, grand grandparents on the other side owned a um, garage and park store in Monticello, Arkansas. And so my, my father was an all-state percussionist. Um, he graduated from high school in 1958, and he had some legendary teachers. He had the famous Lee Wallach. Um, he had Lee Wallach for a short period of time in high school. He had another man he talks about affectionately all the time named Pop Wilson, um, some people may have heard of. And um, my um, band director was also the band director when my mom was in high school. Um, and he is also um, thought of a, as a legend in Arkansas, um, Curry Martin. Curry Martin was the band director at Warren High School from 19... Um, 54 until 1984. It is the only job he ever had. Wow. And his wife, Mary Lou Martin, was the choir director, and she continued there a little longer than Curry did. They, they, she retired a few years later. But those two people were the reason I became a band director. Well, uh, Valerie, looking back over your career, what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? I think I'm most proud of, at the time when we were at Lake Hamilton, I had a seventh grade band, a group for several years that, you know, could play grade two music and, and do it well. And I think, I mean, am I wrong? Am I like the first person that would take seventh graders to contest? Yeah, not in Arkansas, not many people would take a seventh grade standalone band, band to contest. These so are second year players, but I just seventh. I think taking seventh graders to contest, even though other directors did not think it was a good idea. And I'm not saying the ones I worked with, I'm just saying, um, we, I had one experience that I had parents over here, the judges talking, well, seventh graders aren't supposed to be a contest and stuff. And so that sort of lit my fire a little bit because I don't like being told no. Um, <laughs> or you can't play that. Or I that, can't play or, something you know, or, you know, you know, things like that. So, yeah. but I think just exposing kids, showing people that seventh graders can do a lot more than you think they can if you are doing everything you can to teach them and to give them I want to not say the experience, but the drive to want to do it. And finishing all method books. Yes. <laughs> you finish those method books, people. <laughs> finish them. So, Monty, what, what continues to motivate you to keep doing this? I mean, this is a high-octane gig, and you just took a new gig at a yeah. big school with high expectations. What, what motivates you to keep wanting to drive at this level? 
Well, and Valerie and I are, are known as the people that like to fix things like or, challenges. or improve things and make things better. Um, and we've done that a lot. Um, and what we've been given an opportunity that we've been given in Marion is, is really kind of unbelievable. Lots of people know about um, how great the Marion band was, let's say back in the early and mid 2000s, you know, the band was one of the best bands in the state of Arkansas. And, you know, Directors change, you know, over the years. Priorities change. Administrators change. Um, and and what's happened at Marion is we have a great administration who wanted to make some things better for students. So, Monty, having having moved uh, to a, a number of jobs over the over your career. I'm sure at some point you have heard the phrase, that's not the way we do it, or that's not the way we used to do it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. How, do, how do you handle that? I mean, what we're talking about is leading cultural change and elevating expectations. And when you bump into that phrase, that roadblock, that's not the, t- that's not the way we used to do it. That's a phrase all young band directors have to deal with. How do you overcome and handle those situations? I've been pretty fortunate to come into most jobs that I have taken that they had not had recent success. And so when you all of a sudden have success, you know, like, you know, do well, make a first division at your marching contest, those types of things, even though you're making lots of changes, um, I think it's important to evaluate a program and figure out what's not a problem, you know, because there's there's good in every certain situation you go into, or there's things that don't have to be changed immediately. You know, I think the biggest mistake that lots of people make is I'm gonna I'm gonna go in there and change everything because I, it's got to be me. Well, as I've gotten older, I've noticed that um, again I got more of this influence from Valerie than anybody. It's good to listen to the kids. Because there are things that they absolutely are non-negotiable to them. You know, we have to play this. We have to do that. You know, there are things. Or, um, like in the case of Marion, there's some things that they want to continue, and we did. But there are traditions that they frankly didn't have. They didn't even know that that was an important deal-breaker tradition to me. And we and we established some things that are, that are right now um, would be a real problem if we did if we didn't continue. And I kind of laugh when I think about some of those things, you know, because because it's important to them now, but they wouldn't even um, had even thought that that was important before. But I, but I think also um, listening to the community, um, listening to the the parents, you know, um, leaving, you know, you talked about moving you know different jobs you always leave it in better condition than Mm -hmm. you found it always make it better and make it easier you hope for the next person to come in you know to continue to build to and and to change it but to always make it better for the kids and i mean that's what it's all about is teaching kids you know the love that you have for music and you know in band what are some of the signs in your opinion of strong administrative support that a director might be able to identify before they've taken the job as they're going through the interviews? What are some of the things that you like to see? I want eye contact the whole time from the principal 
who, you know, the interview people. I want total open um, knowledge. I mean, I want them to tell me everything that's going on with their program. I want them, I expect them to know about their program. And when they don't know and they can't answer certain things, it's a little bit of a red flag that they're not involved and they're not worried about what the children are receiving in that program. Because if you care, if they, if they really are on top of it, they know. They know because the parents have been contacting, they've been talking to the parents, they talk to the students. So that, that's a major one is when you're in there and they can't give you specific, you know, it's not all specific information, but just, you know, just basic information, then that, that's a red flag that they may not be supporting. They may just say, oh, I have to have this program and, you know, there it is. Because if they care, they, they, they know. I walked in talking about Chaparral. I was very, very lucky there in New Mexico when Monty took the job at New Mexico State. It was a, actually a high school position that was open. And the lady that was doing the interview was actually the uh, junior high principal. But I went in there and I just told him, I said, look, I, I am, am not, I, I don't want to do your high school. I said, because if I can't, it has to start at the bottom. I said, if we don't fix the bottom, it doesn't matter, you know, what the top is because it, it has to grow. And so fortunately she listened to me and the guy that was, had been there before that was in the position that I wanted, they said, you're, your high school principal, I'm a high school band director now, but I told him I'd help him, you know, all the stuff. I said, but I need to be at the slower. And she listened to me and I was lucky. She was of course a band. Uh, she played in the band when she was in high school and there, it was wonderful. Both my counselors were um, ex-military bandsmen. And they, with her, with, with all three of those, they made everything possible for that very, very poor community. And I was, let me have success with these kids. When, you know, if I said someone has to be out of the program, they were taken out 30 minutes, they were gone. You know, it, it was just that that ultimate support but she knew what was going on in the band program and she really cared about the kids so it, if you go to an interview as a young person or new director you and they can't tell you things they can't tell you what your budget is or they don't have an answer if they can't say you know anything about what the kids like or any kind of success that the kids have had or would like to have you, you need to think twice because mm -hmm. these are important things that a true supportive administrator would know. If you were going to go back and give advice to your younger self, just starting out in your career, what would some of those advice talking points be? Listen more, talk less. But, but, but seriously, and I feel like I've always been pretty good about this one thing, reaching out to mentors. Yeah. You know, I, like what, what am I going to play for concert assessment? You know, I always call these two or three, you know, older directors and talk about the strengths and weaknesses, but there's, there's more to it than that. I th what else would you, do? I think going back to my younger self, it is okay to be a great band director. It is better to be a good organizer. You know, being someone who 
always takes care of all your invoices, always deals with the secretary, you know, at the office, you know, the bookkeeper, the money with the, you know, and I was always pretty good at that, but not like I was about band directing. I didn't think one, I always thought the artistic part of everything was way more important than the other end. And, and frankly, you know, what causes most people grief as being bad financial people and bad organizers and bad communicators and, and, and all of that, you know? Um, and I think it's so, and that's something that, that I have really worked on a lot, especially, you know, over the last several years that, you know, I, I can, I can teach, but can I also do these other things that are so important? And that's what I really like to talk to your younger self about because you know, when you're when you're young, I mean, I was a head director. My first head director job I got when I was 24. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was in my hometown, and and it was a you know, it's hard to go back home. My junior high band director was the high school principal. He's the one that hired me and asked me to come, come back and save the program or whatever. You know, and. And they had had three directors in three years, and all of those directors had been very successful. And we just walked into, you talk about landmines, they were everywhere. But yeah. the kids were great kids. They worked really hard. I'm still close to a lot of those students today. Um, some of them have been just really successful in their careers and things like that. But um, but looking, looking back on it, um, the other most important thing that my younger self should have done is prioritizing family better because we have two really great kids who have grown up to be very successful individuals and thank goodness they had the mother that they had. And, and we, we were lucky. We got to teach our children. You know, our daughter was our, was my high school drum major. Um, Valerie got to teach our son in middle school and, um, I got to teach him in college and I thought that for a short time. And I thought, you know, we had great experiences being all together, but it was always revolved around one thing, band first. When, when we finally, when I started doing band and I was with him more, we did divide and conquer. If one child had something and, you know, things were gone at the same time, you know, two different places, you just would divide and conquer. They were all, were always going to have a parent there and the other parent, you know, one of the, if it was something big was filming, you know, and stuff. So that's how with the children, that's how we did that. I think, I think we were pretty good about someone always being there for them. Well, Marty, Valerie, thank you so much for a few moments of your time with us here on After Hours, our director spotlight featuring Monty and Valerie Hill of Marion, Arkansas. So Monty, Valerie, great seeing you and y'all have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. The After Hours Director Spotlight is presented by Amro Music, a family owned company since 1921. At Amro, we work with over 600 schools in seven states to bring the joy of music to thousands of young musicians. These partnerships make production of the After Hours podcast possible. Our director services department is ready to work with your school, too. Just email alan at amromusic.com or seth at amromusic.com. The After Hours podcast is produced by Nick Averwater, Emily McGee, and Joel Hurd in Memphis, Tennessee. 
you can hear many more conversations with music educators at amromusic.com slash after hours. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators just like you can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.